Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Cowie Baptist Church. It is great to see everyone here today. God bless you for being here. As Pastor Jason indicated in his welcome, he and Pastor Chris and the rest of the Honduras mission team are in Honduras right now. And this team of 19 folks gathered here at 4 a.m. Friday morning. And then they uh, drove the church bus to Atlanta and hopped on an airplane after a little bit of delay. And uh, they landed in Honduras that evening. They are praying for us just as we are praying for them. Pastor Jason always seems to have adventures which make fascinating sermon illustrations. And I'm sure that we will hear next Sunday some accounts of how the Lord used them among the people of Honduras. Uh, Be praying for Cowie's Honduras mission team. They will be opening the Bible to study the Word of God in church this morning, just as we are doing here now. Uh, You may recall that we're in the book of Philippians, and we're now partway through that book. We are in the last chapter, in fact. Uh, We're going to be concentrating on verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4. We'll drop back to verse 4 and and the following to uh, establish a context. You remember in the old movie Pollyanna, how many of you are actually willing to admit that you're old enough to remember the old book or movie Pollyanna? Okay, we have some honest people here. In that old movie, the title character informs the local minister that there are many verses in the Bible which she calls glad verses. These are some of those glad verses which pack a powerful punch in the war for our minds. These verses speak of rejoicing twice. They speak of uh, repeatedly about prayer, and they talk about concentrating on peace throughout. In honor of God's word, let's stand as you are able and read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything there is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray. Dear Father, use your word, your truth, 
to draw us into the peace of God. Then use thy Holy Spirit to draw us before thy God of peace. We rejoice indeed that you chose to come near. May our hearts and our minds cling to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. I love the, Paul, the way that Paul says, finally, in verse 8, because he had also just said, finally, in chapter 3, verse 1. What does it mean when a preacher says, finally? Nothing. <laughs> now, now, these verses are some of the most quoted uh, in the YouVersion app. Uh, if you have that on your phone or on your computer and, and most highlighted. But these verses are also some of the most quoted in our Cowie Baptist jail ministry services, which take place every Tuesday evening here at the Macon Detention Center. Uh, James Jones and Cliff Cyphers and Stan Railsback and, and any others who would like to, and I, we, fr we frequently hear these verses used when we go to the jail services on Tuesday evening. Um, we use 1 John 1, 9 a lot because they want to know how to deal with their sins. These verses that we're looking at today address not only peace of mind, but also strength of mind, which is important to these inmates who want to know that they mean something again to God. It is so important to put the word of God into the minds of those who are in the jail system. Through some generous benefactors, we were able to give Bibles to the inmates. We gave these good quality, large print, fine looking Bibles to the inmates. We had a, a benefactor who enabled us to do that for quite a few. In the past several months, the cost of these Bibles has gone from about $9, which is what we could get them for in bulk, to about $39. Uh, so we, we are looking to see if we can keep providing those. After prisoners were released, it was noted that those who had received Bibles were less likely to return to jail. Amen. Those who did not receive Bibles because uh, it was, they got out before we, we had um, brought those in, they were more likely to be rearrested and reincarcerated. You know what that means? The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank God for his word. In his word, we are told to let it be seeping into our minds constantly. To apply ourselves to it so that it takes root in our hearts and minds. Our minds matter. You know, we use the word mind quite a bit in everyday speech. What's on your mind? How about mind your mama? Do you mind if I take the last donut? Mind your own business. Don't mind if I do. Bear in mind who you are. That just blows my mind. I'll give him a piece of my mind and I have a good mind to just leave here make up your mind 
you're out of your mind. And the popular, never mind. You know, great minds think alike. We hear that too. But you can hear the word mind used sometimes many ways in the same sentence. He can mind the store if you don't mind. But mind you, he might just change his mind instead of minding what you say. And then there's the ever popular, I have half a mind. I always wonder when they say that, what they're doing with the other half. Um, Fortunately, the Bible is a little clearer about what it means by the word mind. Of course, the Bible has a lot to say about our minds. The mind is how we think and eventually then how we act and behave. The mind is our inner being. And sometimes mind and heart are interchangeable in scriptures. I think it is very telling that when Jesus quotes the most famous Old Testament verse, he adds to it. Of course, he has that right. He's the ultimate author and inspiration for all scripture. Uh, But every Jewish man, woman, and child of that time knew Deuteronomy 6, 5, which says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. They could quote that from from childhood. Uh, A scribe came to Jesus and said, what is the most important command? And Jesus told the scribe in Mark chapter 12, the foremost command is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus added mind in there because he he wanted the the scribe in particular and us also to know that our minds matter. Our minds are important. Jesus includes the mind as a key part of our response to God and our obedience to him. By thinking about good things, which is what Paul tells us to do in this chapter, we will be more prone to have a good mind And a clean conscience. Now, we are told to put on the mind of Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. I've I've talked to some people who say that. That that is what their goal in life is to do. More and more. Let the mind of Christ take over. And then I've talked to some people who said, you know, I think I'm losing my mind. Uh, More and more as I get older... Uh, I I feel like my mind is going away. But that's okay. If I have the mind of Christ, let it take over. Have you known some people who, as they maybe lose some of their mental faculties, they remember the old hymns? They even uh, more so regain their memory of Scripture. I I can tell you of people that we minister to in the nursing homes who, uh, one man I'm thinking of in particular, he could not tell you his name, but he could sit down at a piano and play the finest rendition of hymns I've ever heard. Put on the mind of Christ. Uh, Sharing the plan, the purpose, and the perspective of Jesus Christ is what his mind is. 
The battle for our minds is really a contest of who is Lord in our lives. So the Apostle Paul reminds us what is at stake. It is a choice that we can make. It's a choice that we must make. We see a game show on TV like Jeopardy, which is portrayed as a contest of the mind. However, there is a cosmic contest going on. It's a contest for our minds. Do you realize that you are the prize in that contest? The mind is the executive function of our lives. It determines what we do, what we say, how we live, and whether we obey God. Our success as disciples and as disciples maker, disciple makers depends largely upon who is in charge of our minds. It's no wonder that the devil directs his most devious attacks against our minds. Attacks such as out-of-control media, the, the madness of media can distract our minds. It is what Adrian Rogers calls the serpent that we invite into our homes. Another attack against our minds is the devil's delusion of discouragement. Now, we can all get discouraged sometimes, but do we immediately pinpoint that as saying, wait a minute, that's from the devil. Uh, it is what pulls us down when we ought to be looking up. You know, they say if you ever went into a hot dog making factory that you would never again eat another hot dog. Um, by the same token, if we were allowed to view the depths of the devil's depravity and debauchery, we would never want to sample any of his sickening sins ever again. Instead, run from him. Don't dwell upon the devil and his schemes. Instead, as the song says, fly to Jesus and live. Our minds need to be free of the devil and full of the Savior. The human mind has over 100 billion cells in it. You've got 100 billion cells right there between your temples. And each cell sends out thousands of connecting tendrils so that it can be in constant contact with its neighbors. And it's constantly exchanging information through those tendrils. There may be 10,000 tendrils going out from each of 100 billion cells in your mind. That boggles the mind to even think about. But it enables us to be the caretakers of an unparalleled miracle of design that God gave us. Uh, the human mind does not miss a thing. It's capable of giving and receiving the most subtle input, which is why we must be careful what we put in. The highest potential of the human mind reaches its apex in the possibility of the mind of Christ taking up residence there. And this is a possibility that Paul affirmed when he said that we can have our minds constantly renewed until we have the mind of Christ. No computer will ever be able to think God's thoughts and no artificial intelligence will be able to know the heart of God or do his works. But the mystery that resides between our ears has that capacity. And indeed, it was created for this, to have the mind of Christ. 
Now, it is true that we must invite Christ to take over our minds. He does not come in uninvited. Our minds were made to know the scriptures. We are to hide the word of God in our hearts and minds. Tony Evans, the preacher, told about a man who scolded his friend for not knowing his Bible. He told his friend, I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. The friend said, sure I do. The man said, I'll give you $20 if you can recite the Lord's Prayer. The friend said, deal. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The man looked at his friend and said, I am shocked at you. I didn't think you would know it. Here's your $20. <laughs> How many of us are, are confident that we're competent in the Word of God? You know, spend time every day. Spend uh, the best time of each day, whether it's morning or evening, in the Word of God. Read it and reread it. Our hearts and minds need to be right with God before the Word of God can find a home within us. And we get right with God by going to His Word and asking Him to speak to us. Paul prayed in Philippians chapter 2 that the church would shine as lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And then here in chapter 4, Paul tells the Philippians to concentrate on what is true. For followers of Jesus Christ, we know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything that is true is from God, because all real truth is God's truth. Secondly, Paul told them to focus on whatever is honorable. Now, this word means like dignified. It signifies a personal, moral excellence that is worthy of honor. Third, they are to concentrate on whatever is just. That which is just is defined by the character of God himself because God is perfect. We are to contemplate the things that make for just living, righteous living, doing the right thing, putting love into action. Fourth, he told them to focus on what is pure. Now, this extends to all areas of moral excellence in thought and speech and action. They were to focus on that which is not tainted with evil. Now, that, that's a hard one. I don't know if it was any harder then than it is now, but our society seems to work pretty hard at trying to, to steal our minds away. And Paul tells him, tells them each one to concentrate on purity. Fifth, the Philippians were to contemplate whatever is lovely. Lovely includes all that is beautiful in creation and in human lives, from a, from a sunset to a symphony to caring for the poor and the powerless. That's beautiful. All these things are beautiful that God tells us to do and we obey. Sixth, Paul tells his readers to consider what is commendable and to do it. Commendable refers to a kind of conduct that is spoken of highly by other people, especially those outside the church, that when they look in at us, they don't have anything to, to say against us. 
They say, those are some commendable people there. This reflects well on the body of Christ. Then Paul framed this comprehensive summary and command. And he said, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And his command is ongoing. It's a present active verb. He says, continually keep on thinking about these things. Let your mind be influenced by that which is good from the word of God. Therefore, take in the scriptures. Read and reread passages. Listen to the spirit. Take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was no armchair coach. He wasn't sitting back thinking, oh, let's just jot down the best things I can think of. He lived out each of those qualities. Paul had the mind of Christ so he could present his own life as a living example to imitate. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen all in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Now Paul said that while he was chained to Roman soldiers in prison. And he was saying that the God of peace has come to him and given him the peace of God. Paul commanded and promised them to seize that truth. And to learn those things and to live them out just as he himself did. Now, how many of us are confident enough in our own competence in the word of God, in our, in our own uh, closeness in following the scriptures, that we can just look at somebody and say, just do what I do. That, that, that's a hard one. But it is what Paul says we can do. We can do the, <clears throat> the whatsoevers of this passage because they become a reality on the basis of the choices that we make. The result is that the God of peace will be with us. And the reward is that, yes, indeed, the God of peace will reside with us. God's peace and his presence cannot be separated. If we want to live in a place of peace... And who doesn't? And, you know, sometimes they interview movie stars and millionaires and ask, what do, you, what do you really want more than anything else? And the answer invariably is peace. If we want to live in a place of peace, we can't be consumed by all the brokenness around us. We focus on what is true. God loves you. God is coming back. Jesus Christ is returning God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son. And we can have faith and trust him and be saved. It's a positive look because it is true and God is good. What are the things that we can be thankful for? You know, it's hard to be bitter with a thankful heart. It's hard to be anxious with a grateful heart. So what do you do when we start feeling those anxious thoughts piling in upon us? Start thanking God. Thank God for everything that comes to your mind. For the goodness that he has brought into your life. 
For what he has done for you through his son Jesus Christ. For what he has done for you through family, friends, loved ones. We can't have a thankful heart and an anxious heart at the same time. So let the thankful win out. In Romans chapter 12 it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A big part of that is by taking control of our thought life and to think on these things put forth by Paul. Remember who we are. This is who I am in Christ. Write it down in front of you. Put it on sticky notes. Put it on the mirror. Dwell on this truth of Scripture. I am loved. I am chosen. That boggles my mind that God chooses us. I am forgiven through what Jesus Christ did for us. And we will be celebrating that in the Lord's Supper. I am set free by the sacrifice of the Savior. Meditate on those things day and night. Meditate on the truth that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Recognize that and renew your mind. I can think differently. I can live differently because of Jesus Christ. Change your thinking and you change everything. But it's not just a matter of thinking. It's a matter of letting the mind of Christ live within us. We are transformed by the renewal of our minds. When the negative thoughts and negative things try to come in, <clears throat> stop and replace that with the positive truths on the Word of God. Recognize the enemy's attacks. Recognize those attacks as soon as they come at us. Recognize those attacks that don't line up with the Word of God. Know the Word of God well enough so that you can say, that doesn't sound like the truth of Scripture. Recognize the enemy's lies and replace them with the truth. Then repeat the process. So there, I think we have three R's. Recognize, replace, and repeat. Recognize what the devil is throwing at us. Replace it with truth from the Word of God. And then repeat. And when I say repeat, it's because every day when we get up in the morning, we need to live the truth all over again. Each and every day. Meditate on the truth. Live the life of the redeemed. We are made new in Christ. We are restored and made righteous. Regardless of the past, whatever is true and lovely and right, think on these things. Every day we need that mental shift. Paul is in prison. Instead of mumbling around, he is joyful. He is singing and praising God while he is shackled to a Roman soldier. Instead of focusing on being in shackles, he is focusing on being in Christ. He is writing letters. People are coming to know Jesus Christ. He is making the best of the circumstances. How does Paul do that? Well, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, dwell on these things. When we do that, our minds are in the right place. And the devil cannot attack. Paul is not dwelling on the mess he's in, but on the Christ who is in him. 
consider that. He's not dwelling on the mess that he's in, but on the Christ who is in him. Jesus is our hope of glory. And the fact is that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, I consider everything else as loss for the sake of knowing him. You know, we, sometimes we have a fear of missing out. We think we have to expose our minds to everything because we don't want to miss anything. But Paul says, just concentrate on the right things, the good things. He is saying, hey, you see in me a great peace of mind and heart. Even in these circumstances in prison, practice these things that you see in me. And the God in peace, God of peace will be with you just as he is with me. Paul says, hey, I'm not perfect. That's not what this is about. But I am at peace. We find our peace and our contentment in Jesus Christ. Do you trust him regardless of your circumstances? Then we can experience joy. We will experience peace and his grace and mercy because of the fact that the Lord is near. The Lord knew that we needed our focus to be on the things that are true. So he gives us this gift of this Lord's Supper so that we can remember what he has done for us. So that we will remember the power of the gospel in our lives. Because of this, the Lord's table, it brings our minds back to what is true. Jesus Christ gave himself for us. I appreciate the fact that, that Drew read from <clears throat> Psalm chapter 32 this morning about our minds and cleansing, cleansing our minds and for, forgiveness and seeking to be pure before God. The Lord's table brings us to what is true and it causes us to realize that our minds need to be focused upon him whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwell on these things and the God of peace will be with you. There is peace to be received. We're going to be celebrating together, communion, together now. Because peace with God was brought and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior.